Hey, what's going on? Thanks for checking out Blissful Prospecting. My name is Jason Bay. You can call me JB for short. And this podcast is for reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with their prospects, but hate when they go to spend a bunch of time writing a cold email and then the prospect never responds. So if that's ever happened to you, you're definitely in the right place. And without further ado, this is another episode of Sales Rants with my good friend, Jeff Bajoric. Let's get to the episode. So I'm really excited for this episode of Sales Rants. And this, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I try to do these every couple of weeks or so with Jeff Bajoric. He's got a really cool thing going on over at jeffbajoric.com. One of my favorite sales podcasts called The Why and the Buy that he hosts with Christy Walters and a cool community called Rethink the Way You Sell. So make sure to check his stuff out, jeffbajoric.com. But we're ranting on four things today. So one, we're going to talk about Zoom fatigue. And this is going to be a really interesting one because there's a lot of like studies that have been done recently. I think it was either Stanford or Harvard did something recently and found some interesting findings. We'll give you our take on Zoom fatigue. We're going to talk about how to make meetings more fun. So this one is really kind of geared towards sales leaders, how to make team meetings more fun, phone versus video meetings. We did a lot of phone meetings here in Texas when our power went out. I was doing a lot of meetings over the phone and I actually found it quite refreshing. (laughs) And then we're going to talk about how to scale your time as a sales leader specifically a sales manager. So uh, yeah, I'm super excited for this. Let's get to the episode with Jeff. So Zoom fatigue, we've been kind of hearing, I mean, that was like a thing almost a year ago now, right? When COVID was starting, it was like a month in, you know, every single company was putting on webinars and people started, you know, talking about this like Zoom fatigue thing. Do you have some pretty strong opinions on what the real problem is. So is the problem with Zoom or is it with something else? Oh, Zoom fatigue is a you problem. <laughs> okay. Full stop. Period. Enter, enter, next paragraph. Let's move on. It's a you problem. We can go in a couple of different directions with this. Mm-hmm. I posted recently on Twitter, actually, and on LinkedIn. And it's one of the few times I've ever just, it was short enough I could put it on both, both platforms. If you are complaining that your customers will not be reached, they don't want to talk to you because they have Zoom fatigue, that's a you problem because they're tired of hiring, they're tired of hearing from people like you who don't bring enough value to keep their attention. If you are suffering from Zoom fatigue and you just can't make the calls, well, that sounds a lot like burnout. And again, it's a you problem, but do something about that. Step away for a little bit. The pandemic was supposed to give us all this extra time to do this stuff because, you know, we just, we were supposed to return to what was really important to us and everything. I don't know about you, dude, but I'm working more because I feel like I have to take advantage of opportunities. I feel like I've got to up-level my game in a lot of ways. And a lot of people feel that pressure. So do something about that if you want. But when people leave their screens all day and then go watch Netflix for five hours, until one o'clock in the morning or whatever, because they can't sleep anymore. Don't tell me it's screen fatigue or Zoom fatigue or Teams fatigue or WebEx fatigue or whatever, because it's not. So you got to fight through that a little bit. I mean, you take the words right out of my mouth with the Netflix uh, Netflix thing, excuse me, because I think that Zoom fatigue is kind of the equivalent of, yeah, if you sat down and watched Netflix and you watched six, seven, eight hours of shows that you absolutely hated, I think you'd get pretty fatigued. Yes. So it sounds like where you're going with this is like really if we kind of look at it from a sales rep's point of view, 
in your prospects and your clients really just being like, you know, I don't really want to hop on another meeting with you, you know, because a lot of people need that to kind of get their upsells and things like that, right? What are some of the things that you can do then? And this is actually kind of part of a a couple topics we're talking about today. But in, in terms of like the Zoom fatigue thing, being a you problem, what can a rep do that's like having some issues with us right now? Provide real value and justify the reason that you need to meet. Yeah. You and I are not the only ones that have been saying for the last several years that selling is not about you. You have to make it about your prospect, right? So I know that you need to book so many meetings face-to-face or otherwise in order to hit your numbers, hit your KPIs, get a promotion, whatever it is that you want. Awesome. But they still need a reason to meet with you. Yeah. And, you know, you talk to every rep about why do you need to meet with this person? Well, I got to do this. And I think that they can, you know, we can help them. And, and this is, okay, great. You have your value proposition down. Good for you. Why should they meet with you? And it's like crickets are chirping like almost right away. And it's like, okay, cool. We don't need to go any further, right? I know we have a full day of sales training planned, but right now, if we can't get this right, then that's the way we're spending the rest of our day. Cause if you don't get this right, you don't get anything right. And so I, I think people need to one, be empathetic, which you're really, really good at. And you're really good at explaining what that means for people. And I think they need to be better at justifying the value of the meeting rather than just asking for it. Yeah. Right. Just because you don't get what you don't ask for, but just because you asked doesn't mean you've earned it. And it doesn't mean you've given the recipient of that request any reason to sit down with you. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, this is the blocking and tackling of selling really, Jason. And I, I think what we're seeing is that this is just another excuse for the average to below average rep to give for why they're not doing better. Yeah. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. The, I have this kind of philosophy called teach, don't take. And it's this exactly what you talked about. It's this, instead of taking 30 minutes of this person's life that they'll never get back (laughs) or or worse an hour, you know, kind of thinking about like, what are some of the things that this person would want to get from a meeting with me? And it's not as difficult, I don't think, that a lot of people make it to actually come up with if you sit down. If you put 30 minutes on the calendar and think about what are all the things I can share with my current clients that they want to know, one of them is, well, what are your other clients doing to win right now in the areas where a lot of people are having problems? Yeah. Like that's, hey, Jeff, I know you're probably pretty busy right now, but we're working with a lot of clients that are tackling this problem. Is that something you're running across if it is? Love to grab some time on your calendar and share more insights around how we're helping them and what they're doing right now. Most people are going to be like, yeah, sign me up, dude. Yep. Storytelling. It's storytelling. It is, you know, proof, right? Sometimes it's social proof. Sometimes it's, hey, we've dealt with these problems. We're helping people like you, companies like yours deal with these problems. Sometimes it's, hey, I ran into a problem earlier today with another client that reminded me of something that I know you're dealing with. Can I give you some specifics? And I mean, sometimes that problem meets face-to-face right there. Like, it's so specific. It's funny. I'll tell you a story later about that literally happened to me today. (laughs) Today. And we don't have enough time left in the segment to get into it, but I'll I'll share it with you later. But yeah, it's just justify the reason for the meeting. And if you don't have a good reason for the meeting, and I guess to to wrap it up, it's not Zoom's fault that you don't know how to ask for a meeting. (laughs) Because it's not Zoom's fault. The same way it's not the phone's fault, it's not your email sequence's fault, it's not the gatekeeper's fault, it's not anybody's fault. If you can't get the meeting, it's because your prospect does not see the value in meeting with you. Oh, mic drop. Love it, dude. (laughs) So I got a question for you. I don't think I've ever asked you. What's your favorite childhood breakfast? Oh, man. (laughs) 
we had this um, conversation with my kids earlier today. I more than once went through an entire box of Golden Grams in one sitting. Golden Grams? Okay. As a kid. That was great. Lucky Charms would be another one, but yeah. For some reason, or or like a, a frosted uh, uh, frosted flakes kind of person to me for some reason. <laughs> frosted flakes were really good. Okay. Um, and growing up in Michigan, I mean, Kellogg's, I mean, figuratively, but right down the road, right? But um, hold on a second. This is a sales podcast. Where are you going with this? Uh, there's a twinkle in your eye, so I know you're going somewhere, but where, where are you going with this? Where did you go? When I asked you, what was your favorite childhood breakfast? Where did, your, where did you go upstairs? Oh, well, literally I went upstairs to my breakfast table this morning because we were talking about it today with the kids, but I went back to my childhood. I, I went back to like, oh man, the flavor, it, it's a very specific flavor. And it wasn't that I was hungry. It was that it was so good. I was like, no, I have room for this. I don't need this much cereal, but I have room for this cereal because the experience of that taste, the texture, even when they sit a little too long in the milk and they really soften up, like, yeah, it's very sensory. It's very emotional. So you went back to a place from your childhood that sounds like was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. It's something that you looked forward to and it has this kind of nostalgia to it. And the reason why I asked you that question is I think that when we run team meetings and we got that once per week, 45 minute, 60 minute meeting, we don't take a chance to actually engage our team in a way that's like fun or helps us get to know more about them. Mm -hmm. Like I learned so much about you just now, Mm -hmm. like what kind of stuff you like to eat, what you associated with your childhood, um, you're kind of like me, it sounds like, and that, uh, when you like something, you can eat a lot of it sometimes, <laughs> you know, and it makes it fun. Right. And what I uh, do anytime I'm doing a group training, and these are sometimes with literally with two other people or they're with 150 other people. This is always how I ask. This is always how I get started. What was your favorite childhood breakfast? And I'll get all kinds of answers and it allows us to kind of break the ice a little bit, have a little bit of fun. And for me to show them, Hey, I don't take myself too seriously. We're going to have some fun today. Right. So I think that we need to do this in our team meetings, by the way. And I want to share a couple other questions and then like kind of a structure that you can use for even like a 30 minute, you know, kind of meeting. But what you want to do is open the call up with some sort of icebreaker that helps you get to connect with your team and helps them connect with each other better. And I like the icebreakers to be something I ask and then everyone answers through the chat. So that's kind of the first thing is make sure that people are using the chat. So that it doesn't feel like a queue where a dozen of your team shows up and everyone's like individually waiting to have their turn. Use the chat. I like, what's your favorite childhood breakfast? Do you floss before or after you brush? Very contrarian opinions on that. <laughs> and then you could, uh, you know, what's your favorite clothing from childhood that you thought was super rad, but wasn't? Start with those three questions and you'll yeah. get so many interesting answers from people. So I like to ask that icebreaker. What's a recent win that you've had? So I'd like starting off with something positive, big or small, personal or professional. And then where are you getting hung up right now? Yeah. Where are your biggest challenges right now? What do you, what do you want from the group? What do you want to game plan? And ask all of that through the chat. And you're just kind of talking. Maybe you put some music on is what I like to do at the beginning. Something a little upbeat. Yeah. But now you get like an agenda for the call and you didn't have to go person by person by person. 12 people a minute each, that's 12 minutes of your call burned up right there, just going through them individually. I like that. Um, I've got another one for you. And there's another funny story for this because of uh, the why and the buy and what we do. But is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no? And why? There's also kind of an order that I noticed, right? Maybe you're a new manager. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just need to get to know. Maybe you have a bunch of new team members. Maybe there's just been a reorganization. Maybe it's like, there's just some tension in the room and it's, oh man, what's this new leader going to look like? What things going to sound like? Okay. Let's talk about breakfast cereal. 
wait, what? It gets, it's that like, huh? But people will play along yep. and then you start having a little fun and then you can get into work because people are in the right mood, the right mindset for work. Yeah. You talk about wins and it's, maybe it's your second or third meeting and you're getting that momentum started really quickly again and success stories beget success stories and that momentum compiles after you've had a couple of meetings. It doesn't have to follow a strict progression like this. I just noticed this in the sequence that you mentioned. People want to share where they're stuck, particularly if they have the rapport or have rapport with the rest of the people on their team. That's really important. You know, the more ideas you have, the more momentum you get toward solving that problem. So this all creates an environment. And what I love about what you mentioned is have them answer in the chat. That way you don't have to go a person at a time. Cause I've started those meetings before with new clients or whatever. You tell everybody 30 seconds, strict 30 seconds. I got a timer. It always goes a minute. You feel like a jerk to reinforce it, you know? Yeah. And now you've gone, you just killed the first 15 minutes of your meeting and that's fine. But I go back to a book I read by an author named Al Pitampali called Read This Before Our Next Meeting. Great, like a 75-page book about getting effective, making effective meetings or having effective meetings. And if this didn't need to be an hour meeting, then why wasn't it just 45? Like if you got 15 minutes, you know, I understand the rapport and the momentum and the mood that you want to set. But if we could make that five minutes, that means that a 60-minute meeting could be 50 minutes. Yep. That means that a 30-minute meeting could be 20 minutes. I love the efficiency there. That's really, really good. Yeah. One last thing I want to add on that. So as you're engaging people, keep track of those wins and those challenges. And instead of individually handling everyone's challenge, you're going to find there's two or three things that people probably want to talk about. You can address them as a group and help an individual at the same time. And then with the wins, what you could do is like, oh, Jeff, funny, you're having a challenge with getting people to open up your emails. Tom just talked about the fact how he has an 80% open rate. Yeah. Tom, what are you doing that's working so well? Jeff, what do you want to ask Tom? Yeah. And you get to facilitate this meeting where people are talking to each other and helping each other out without you individually going person by person by person. People are going to want to participate in this kind of thing. Totally agree. Phone meetings. This Zoom fatigue thing is an interesting topic, but these like phone meetings, I want to ask you about this because I feel like there's kind of a, a lost art to doing a good phone meeting. Yeah. I used to do phone meetings exclusively. I mean, when I was a sales manager for the first time in 2009, I mean, that was when you had to pay to use GoToMeeting. It was like a hundred bucks a month or something crazy like that, right? Right. And then the other person had to install it. And then the free version, you could only do a 15 minute or 30 minute meeting. So it was like a really kind of a hassle to do a video meeting. Do you feel like we've slung too much in the direction of like, everything's got to be a video meeting? Yes, because since everybody's already in front of their computer all the time, it's just an easy thing to do. Not every meeting needs to be a Zoom meeting, Mm -hmm. right? So look, what I said a few minutes ago about Zoom fatigue being a you problem, yes, 100%, full stop, you still stand by it. But does every meeting need to be a Zoom meeting? No. And I think it's just like anything else. It's like cold calling is dead, long live cold calling. You know, email sucks, you know, but let me pawn out that next sequence. You know, when you have a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. So I I think we need to be a little bit more selective about what we use Zoom for. But like, can we talk about how the phone is an underutilized asset? Like literally, this thing is never more than like three feet away from you. And if it is, you know exactly where it is because you're going to go get it, right? I don't care that people don't answer the phone, right? Like, I don't care that people don't want to take cold calls or don't want to be interrupted. I think it was our friend Daryl Prale who said this. He's like, listen, if they picked up the phone when you called, then they didn't mind being interrupted. The phone is an asset, is totally underutilized. But I also think, you know, to get back to the original point of your question, sometimes it's nice. It's actually refreshing to just take a phone call 
And if you are willing to use the phone and get comfortable on the phone, you can use that novelty to your advantage. You had an experience that you were mentioning before, really within the last week or so, you took a lot more phone meetings than Zoom calls. You know, what did you notice? Well, what happened? I mean, we didn't have electricity for a day or two uh, here in Austin. This was a week and a half ago. So I didn't really have a choice. So I was taking my client meetings, ones that I would normally do, like a one-on-one call, and I would normally do through Zoom. And one thing that we commented on, because we were like 35 minutes into the meeting and we'd already plowed through the entire content, like insanely productive. Yeah. And we're just kind of like, do we need to do the rest of the meeting? And like, my client was like, I feel like we got a lot done today. This is kind of nice. And it felt really refreshing being able to just sit here and focus on what my client was saying. Yeah. Have to make sure to look at the camera and like, oh, is the lighting coming through? Yeah. I didn't have to think about any of that kind of stuff. I didn't have to think about making eye contact, you know, like all that other weird stuff that comes up. So it's really refreshing. But one thing I wanted to say is I think the phone is the ultimate gauge of how close of a relationship that you have with someone. Like when we were becoming friends, one thing for me in a friendship that is like, oh, this is a, a sign of how intimate that friendship is, is when we started just calling each other randomly. Yeah. We didn't have to schedule a meeting and put something on the calendar. And what happened to those times with instead of if you want to meet with your clients and you got a couple dozen clients, what happened to just carving off an hour and just saying, you know, I'm just going to give them, I'm just going to see who I can get on the phone in the next hour. Mm. You know, it allows for that like kind of serendipity to happen, those random moments throughout the day where I got a call from Jeff and I'm like, oh, this is just what I needed because I've been having kind of a rough day. I wonder what Jeff's up to. Yeah. Those don't happen when everything's a scheduled video call because you can't make a random, unless you FaceTime, I guess, but you can't make a random Zoom meeting call. Right. No, you're exactly right. I love what you said there because, you know, sometimes it's funny. I'll take it back even further than that. My dad still sends me mail. <laughs> like when I was in college, you know, particularly when I was in college and now he sends it to my kids, which is fun. But he's like, people like it in mail. What normally comes in the mailbox, right? You get bills, you get junk mail, whatever. Like it's sometimes just a little note is nice. Or it's a, you know, it's, it's a birthday card or a Valentine's Day card for my kids or whatever. Like that kind of stuff is kind of refreshing. But you're right, the serendipity of it. Like, yeah, you're in the middle of your day and then you get a call from someone you actually know, but weren't expecting. Like, oh yeah, I'm picking that up. Or if I can't pick it up right now, it is top of mind. And the next time I get a free minute, I'm calling back. It's not just novelty. Again, it's this emotion. It's this like, there's positivity assigned to that. And that is really, really valuable. And, you know, beside the fact that, you know, look, we sit in our chairs all day. I only have so many places I can take a Zoom call with other people taking Zoom calls in the house. So I'm kind of limited. And as salespeople, I don't know about you, but I like getting up and moving around. Yep. I don't sit while I take calls. If I sit, I sit for like five minutes and then I get up and I move. I've worn out a pattern in my rug over here in my basement from where I walk on these calls. Yep. It's a, it's a welcoming change of pace. But to your point, the emotion of it and, oh yeah, that's someone I'd actually like to talk to. When you're maybe a third to half of the way through a sales cycle, watch that accelerate your relationship and the connection because you are willing to just call. Look, again, you got to be careful. You're not taking advantage of someone's time. There's a meaning behind it. There's a good, valuable purpose for the call. But what happens at the end of that call? Hey, Jason, great. Hey, I know this is spur of the moment. Thank you for helping me with those quick details and, you know, picking up the phone uh, right before, I mean, it's 4.30 where you live on a Friday. I really appreciate that. Hey, what what do you got going this weekend? Yeah. You miss those moments in Zoom calls. If you have a structured video call, you miss exactly what you said right there. Yep. There's something I want to ask you. You've had 
a sales management position in the past, a couple of them. And you, I mean, you've led teams and you understand the problems that come along with scaling. And as I work with managers, it's still alarming to me how many managers have to carry their own bag and lead a team. There are only so many hours in a day. And when you try to do two full-time jobs at the same time, and just because your VP told you it wasn't really two full-time jobs, they're lying, okay? Middle management, frontline management is the hardest and most important job in sales, right? Particularly for big teams. How do you scale your time? How do you reach people? How do you try to like creatively still be effective, but get people what they need without spending, you know, just inordinate amounts of time repeating yourself? Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because I kind of see a couple of different things happening. One is this, I see the manager that is like spending a lot of time with their team. They're doing a couple team meetings with everyone per week. They might be doing one or two one-on-ones per week. And I'm like, I love where your heart's at with that, right? Like you're you're really trying to get the team what they want. Mm -hmm. And I see kind of the other extreme that you mentioned where they might be doing a lot of other stuff. They might have their own quota. They might be in a position where their VP is wanting them to participate in a lot of the kind of company level stuff that's like outside of like their team. So I see them not spending much time at all. And the time they do spend is very unproductive. So when you think about how to scale your time, the question that I would ask myself, this is the question I ask my clients is, what are the things that come up throughout the week that you find yourself repeating between reps? Mm -hmm. You help your rep on this deal or they're having trouble prepping for something. So a lot of times uh, account planning is a big thing that companies do, right? Where the manager will sit with the rep and they'll help them plan out here are the accounts you're going after. Here's who the people you're going to reach out. Here's the messaging, et cetera. Well, that framework, a lot of times, often what comes up is, well, who do I target? If the job title's this, but this doesn't exist, who should I go after? Is this company a good fit because they're going through a round of funding or they don't? There's so many things that are a teachable moment there that get asked in a different context, but the same questions. And I find managers addressing this on a one-to-one level every single time it happens. Mm-hmm. It just would drive me crazy if I did. This is why I don't do one-on-ones rarely, rarely do one-on-ones with any client engagement because I find that the group can benefit from that. So one, I would be thinking, what am I talking about that I'm repeating on a weekly basis to individuals? And how can I, in a really simple fashion, either create a video, hop on a Zoom call by myself or record the Zoom calls with my managers or my reps, Yeah, record those moments, chop it up, throw it into Google Drive and create a, Google Doc, that's like a table of contents. So I'll give you an example. If you have five main competitors and you find that your reps are asking you about how you differentiate between those, record a video for each one of those of you coaching a rep or your team through it, save it. That becomes a part of all your onboarding uh, stuff in the future. And now every single rep, if they ask you about a competitor, it's go look at that stuff first. Right. Great question, Jeff. Go look at the documentation first. Come up to me and let me know what you think. And by doing this, you empower your reps And you need to think like a course creator. Yeah, That's how you need to think as a manager. How can I create a course on what I do? And the course doesn't got to be fancy. I'm just going to record this stuff. The other way that you scale your time is through group coaching. So we talked about this earlier around like how to make team meetings a little bit more fun. But for the context of this video that people are watching, what you really want to think about is instead of running a team meeting and getting everyone's individual challenges, how can we start to categorize and look at who's having the same types of challenges and coach the group around that challenge and then use an individual as an example. And again, record that, save it, throw it in your content library. And this becomes, I mean, imagine Jeff, over six months, you're doing this. 
imagine what the onboarding library looks like. It's not a bunch of shit on a Google document and a bunch of words. It's videos. Right. Hey, if you're going to need to know about our five competitors, watch these videos. Right. And there's your, this short quiz on it. And it's onboarding material that is created from you actually delivering the coaching and the training, not you just talking and like trying to formalize something and make it super fancy. You're spot on with that. You don't need a full-fledged learning management system in order to pull this off, right? And that's what, I mean, I think given the amount of time we spend on Zoom calls anymore and given the work that's clearly being done with teams, it's not that managers and leaders aren't out there trying with people. These things are there all the time. Hit the record button and then have an assistant, have a virtual assistant, watch it yourself, have a young, less tenured member of your team watch it right? Maybe someone who wasn't even on the meeting, have them watch it and say, okay, what were the three 10-minute segments that were most valuable? Clip those, throw them in the cloud, get rid of everything that hits the cutting room floor. That's fine. We don't need to worry about taking up too much server space here, but even then, Google's got plenty of it for you. Dropbox has plenty of it for you. Amazon has plenty of it for you. Put that stuff someplace where people can use it, right? And instead of just recording these calls and putting them out there to just go and rot on a server somewhere, organize them in such a way that you are going to get some benefit from it from the long term or over the long term. And look, like I just mentioned, you don't have to do it yourself as the leader. You have more important things to do than be editing video, but have this be internship material. Have this be probationary period material, right? Carve out a couple of minutes for your SDRs that want to be AEs, for your people who want to be SDRs as part of their training. I know it's not going to be comprehensive, but they're going to get a feel of what it's like to work at this company. They're going to get a feel for what it's like to be an AE and tackle those challenges. They're going to get a feel for some of the issues they're going to run into, as well as some of the problems they solve for their their, their clients and prospects. This is not a difficult project. And like I said, all the tools are available to you at little to no cost. Yeah. You just got to put it somewhere where you can use it again. Yeah. You can record for free on Zoom and piece stuff together with QuickTime. Yeah. I think the thing with one-on-ones is be really disciplined. I'm not going to help Jeff with anything in our one-on-one that he could watch a video about that would explain it to him. So if Jeff asked me, well, what's the best way to intro a cold call? I say, good question. After this meeting or during this, if you want to do it right now, go watch that video. Tell me what you think that you should do. And again, I could not like stress the importance of empowering your reps. This is how you empower them with content. Most managers are firefighters. They're constantly putting out fires throughout the day and like addressing stuff that really isn't that urgent when they could say, hey, look at the video. We already talked about this. Go take a look at the video and let me know what you think. Totally agree with that. There's something I want to just throw on top of that. And and I'm sorry if I cut you off there. I thought that was a complete statement. That's on me. You make your one-on-ones more powerful that way. Yep. You make them shorter. You make them more impactful. Not only are you not repeating yourself, but that means that your one-on-one is really Hey, Jason, look, I know as a group, we talked about this, we talked about this, we talked about this. Dude, how are you? Are you okay? Are things going okay? And you don't need an hour for that, right? You syndicate the stuff that can be syndicated. And then in your one-on-ones, what exactly are you struggling with? You can be so much more pointed, so much more effective, so much more impactful that way. Awesome. This is super fun. One of the big things that I've been thinking about a lot is like how to scale your time. So that was a topic that I really enjoyed, but we'd love to hear from you. So if you enjoy this podcast, I'd love a short, honest review on iTunes with what you thought. We're always looking to grow the show so we can get more people exactly like you to listen to it. So open up the podcast app on your iPhone. If you got one, look up Blissful Prospecting, scroll down to the bottom and a short, honest review would be awesome. So we could keep growing the show. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sales Rants, and we'll see you next time.